Well, it's a, it's a pleasure to be with you all. I trust, uh, I trust, like Mike's saying, you guys are feeling just the presence of God here, that God, God wants to move and he wants to speak this morning. I, um, so I walked in with it pouring rain in the middle of June. I was thinking, you know, often God does things in the natural before he does things in the spiritual with us. And I honestly, my heart and my prayer this morning is that God pours out himself and his spirit on us. And yes, today's Pentecost Sunday and I'm going to do some teaching and we want to make some space for just the Holy Spirit to come and move in our midst and for us to receive this morning. And just how I was, want to start this morning, I was, had an interesting thing happen uh, maybe about six weeks ago now. Sheesh, it's going fast. Many of you know that we've got a, a new son. His name is Liam. Beautiful little boy. And uh, in the early first few days, my wife was looking at him. And she kept looking at him going, man, he looks yellow. He looks a little jaundice. He looks a little yellow. And the conversation kept on for a few days until we realized that she was looking at our son through yellow lensed glasses. No. <laughs> yeah. Our son was fine, but uh, the lenses were affecting what we were seeing. And uh, it just in, in light of what we're going into, I, I really feel like we have to be so mindful that sometimes the lenses in which we see things affect what we see and we don't see right. And it can be lenses of past expectations. It can be past experience. Maybe it's the lenses of culture, which is some of the things that we've shared in the last while. It can even be religion, but whatever it is, I just want to encourage you to say that God wants us to take the lenses off and to see right. He wants us to see true because the word tells us that truth will set us free. And God wants us to be a free people to see as he sees. Amen? And you know, the power of truth is it's when truth can come and truth comes and is established, revelation can come. But we must have truth. You know, we're in a series that we've called From the Head to the Heart because our desire is that God could bring to us heart-changing revelation. Heart-changing revelation. We don't need more information. We need revelation in life, don't we? I was reading this in Ephesians, and let's, let's see what the heart of Paul says here as he's writing to the church of Ephesus. He says, in the Amplified I always pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of him. For we know the Father through the Son, and I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, may be enlightened." flooded with the light of the Holy Spirit so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, God's people, so that you will begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power is in us who believe. And it goes on and talks about that power of God revealed. And this scripture is just stuck in my heart over this time because there is an invitation 
There is an invitation for us to know him more. Not to know of him more, but for us to know him more. And it's, it's a choice for us. You know, God comes by invitation. He doesn't force himself. This isn't a requirement. It's an invitation. And we can have all of the revelation or all of the information without revelation. We can have all head knowledge, but not have heart knowledge. And you can see in this scripture, the, the, what Paul's writing, I would say, is the cry of our community, of our heart as leaders for Oceanside, for you guys, is that, that the information would get into our heart. So when we do this series, and we've been looking at and talking about from the head to the heart, for, for us, honestly, I would say that one of the primary things for us that cannot just be information, that must be revelation, heart-changing revelation in our hearts, is the understanding of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If we want to move into all of what God has for us, this must become revelation for us. It's at the top of the list. It's at the top of the list. And as you've heard this morning, today is Pentecost Sunday, which means it's 50 days since the resurrection. And we celebrate it seven Sundays after the resurrection. And this is when we saw the church birthed. We saw the baptism of the Holy Spirit come and empowered the believers, the 120 that were in the upper room. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that moment. This was a significant and critical moment in the life of the church. And you know, as I've been reading and pondering this, Jesus went to great lengths for the Holy Spirit to come and empower his people. I was reading this, listen to how John G. Lake says this. He says, Jesus went to the ultimate, to the very throne and heart of God and secured right out of the heavenly treasure of the eternal soul, the almighty spirit, and poured it forth upon the world in divine baptism. You see, the work of Jesus wasn't just complete at ascension. It wasn't just complete at ascension. And as Christians, we often elevate salvation and, and the work of the cross, right? And I, I love it. And we need that. Man, without what Jesus did on the cross, we wouldn't be here either. But his work wasn't finished at ascension when he left. He said, wait, wait for the Holy Spirit. His work was finished when the empowerment of the Holy Spirit came on the church. And at that moment, the church grew and the work of Jesus was continued. I'm going to teach a little bit for us this morning, and then we're going to make space for revelation and experience. But for us, I think it's so imperative that we understand who the Holy Spirit is. And I know we all come from different walks and maybe have different lenses, but I, I feel it's imperative that we highlight a few truths here that we understand who he is. First, the Holy Spirit is God. He's not a mysterious power. The Holy Spirit is fully God, which means this, that he is co-equal, he is co-eternal, he is co-powerful with God the Father and God the Son. We say this, that the God is three in one, that there is three persons and there's, there's three statements that I think has helped me understand the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Because we use the word Trinity to refer to our God, the triune God. And these are the three statements that I found very helpful. May they be helpful to you. That God is three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That each person is fully God and that there is only one God. 
All of those must be held as truth in tension. But because the Holy Spirit is fully God, he must be honored as God and must be viewed as God. You know, he's not an optional extra for us. He's not an optional extra for us or maybe for, you know, superior deluxe Christians. The Holy Spirit's for you. The Holy Spirit's for you. In John 14, 16, it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. You know, that word, another, is referred to as as counselor or advocate. The Greek word is parakletos, and it means essentially the one that walks alongside you. The scripture expands in a number of other places, teaching us who Holy Spirit is. In John 16, 13, it says that he's the spirit of truth, that he will come and that he will guide you. In John 14, 26, it says that he is the helper. In John 15, 26, a counselor, the one that will testify about me. So this is who the Holy Spirit is. How do we know the Holy Spirit? Not just know of him, how do we know him? Remember Paul said in Ephesians there, a deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of him. The first thing for us is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit lives inside all believers. So for us, when we choose Jesus as Lord and Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit in that moment. And choosing Jesus as Lord and Savior is a revelation that we are a broken, sinful people and we need a Savior. And our Savior is Jesus Christ. And by putting our faith and trust in him, we have salvation for the redemption of sin in our lives. We are made clean and whole, and the Holy Spirit comes as a deposit that guarantees that. The scripture says that in Romans 8, 11. Let me read this for you, that he's literally inside us as believers. It says, he says this, he says, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, He does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So the indwelling spirit is the Holy Spirit living inside us. And the word says that he's the deposit. He's the one that guarantees salvation for us. There's a number of scriptures, probably the most prominent one to highlight for us is in Ephesians 1.13. It says that we were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit living inside us. And what does he do? What does it look like for us with the Holy Spirit living inside us? Well, he's working in us. He's coming alongside. He's helping. He's sanctifying us. He's fellowshipping with us. He's leading us. He's guiding us. He's teaching us and so much more. But you know, our relationship with Holy Spirit doesn't end here. It doesn't end here. This is where it starts. This is where it starts. But God has more. And this is what, this is what Pentecost was about was the more of God. So not only is he the counselor and dwelling inside us and guiding us, but he wants to empower us. 
So how else do we experience him and know him? Through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We know that the church was birthed in power. As the Holy Spirit came, he empowered the 120 in the upper room and the church grew in power. It was amazing and we're going to read about it. You know, Jesus told the disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit. I feel like sometimes for some of us when it comes to salvation, it's like we are so over the moon thrilled to be saved and set free. How many of you can resonate with that? And we receive the Holy Spirit and we're like, whoa, God, you're in me. This is like unbelievable. But you know, God is a good father and he gives good gifts. And the gift of the Holy Spirit is the gift that keeps on giving. And he has more. In Acts 1.4, he said, Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus telling us of what's to come. But you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was spoken about even before Jesus was teaching about it. John the Baptist taught about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 3.11, he says, I baptized you with water for repentance, but he who comes after me, referring to Jesus, is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So here's how this plays out. In Acts 2.1, they're in the upper room. And it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived... They were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You see, salvation was settled for them. They put their faith and trust in Jesus. This wasn't about salvation. This was about the power of God flowing through them. This was, this was that gift that kept on giving for them. Jesus knew that the disciples were going to need the empowerment of his spirit to walk in all of what he had. You know, in this moment, you can see as the power of God moves, if you keep reading through Acts, yes, they're speaking in tongues and people are hearing other languages like blown away. Like, how are we hearing our native tongue here? This doesn't even make sense. And then you see that there's a supernatural courage and a boldness that comes on the disciples to just share the gospel and preach. And it, you can just see the power of God moving as people are saved and set free and it kind of carries on and we see miracles in the gospel just spread across the world. You know, they're able to fulfill this in Acts 1.8 as Jesus promises that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses. So the power of the Holy Spirit comes that they would be witnesses and it goes on and it says to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, this was the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit was the empowerment for the spread of the gospel. You know, the word baptism means immersion. Or when you think of immersion, if that doesn't make sense to you, it's like to submerge, to dip. And a good analogy or a picture for you is when you're dyeing cloth, you dip the whole cloth into that ink and it comes out a different color. So for us, when we see the baptism of the Holy Spirit, 
It's, it's as if it's a transforming and overwhelming experience where the Holy Spirit pours out to the point of overflowing, where he's pouring into us and just is all-consuming. This is the desire that God had for us, that we would make space for the Holy Spirit to pour into us to the point of overflowing out of us. You know, we often talk about the, the presence of God as a river, and there's a scripture in Ezekiel that talks about, you know, moving in the depth of the river. And, and what I'm referencing here is that God wants to bring us into the depth of who he is, the depth of the Holy Spirit, that we would walk in the fullness of that relationship with him. You know, the infilling of the Holy Spirit isn't just a feeling. It isn't just to tickle us and make us roll around on the ground and feel funny. And and I know that sometimes when the Holy Spirit comes, when sometimes we're shocked about what does happen in the natural for some. But it isn't about a feeling. It's about empowering. God wants to empower us so that we can take the gospel to our city. There is a broken and hurting world that need Jesus. And they need the Holy Spirit. I think in our own strength and our own ability, we probably all come to the realization that we could not do that in our own strength with our own words. But God doesn't want us to come to the world with wise and persuasive words. He wants us to come to the world with a demonstration of the power of God. People won't be set free because you have a great analogy or a story. People will be set free because the power of God can set people free. And the power of God wants to flow through each one of us. Not, not just one of us, each one of us. So for us, how do we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How does this work when we look at scripture and what do we see? Well, I would say for us that the first most significant thing for us is that Jesus told the disciples to wait. There's something about being patient and waiting in a state of being hungry and desiring him. God responds to expectation. He responds to us when we're eagerly seeking him. So that's, that's a really important thing for us, is that there's a desire in our heart that God responds to. And the Holy Spirit doesn't come and he doesn't force himself on us. He comes by invitation. And he comes to those who are hungry. Often we see in scripture that the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes when we lay hands on people. And for some, maybe it even happens right at conversion when we give our lives to Jesus. Well, the Holy Spirit can come in power and baptize someone in the Holy Spirit right then and there in that moment. But you know, there isn't really a, a, a set prescribed formula. If you do A, B, C, the Holy Spirit comes and this is how it's going to be. And he fits inside this box so that you can understand you know, this is probably the, the mystery of the Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is sovereign and he moves where he chooses. But I know that I know that he moves when we are hungry and desperate for him. It's probably one of the most challenging things for our, our heads. And this is why we're trusting for heart revelation, not just head knowledge in this. Is that it takes that heart revelation and that desire that makes space for the Holy Spirit to come and move in power. You know, often when the Holy Spirit comes and moves in power, 
in somebody and the, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes, there's a demonstration, there's manifestation. You see a response in people. But the fruit of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the witness of Jesus. If our lives aren't changed, we're missing something. If there isn't a passion and a desire inside us that's burning to see the gospel go forth and to see the kingdom extended, we're missing something. I just want to say that the missing is just simply this, that there's more. That there's more. That God has more. And he wants to reveal and, and give us more. You know, a comment when it comes to speaking in tongues for us is that, you know, we saw, as I just read, that when the baptism of the Holy Spirit came, we see that those in the upper room were speaking in tongues. And I think for many of us, there's this challenge of, well, where does this fit in for me today? And is the, is the speaking in tongues for today, where does this fit in and what is it? Because it seems crazy. And I'm not going to have time to teach on this. We have some phenomenal teaching where we spent a long time teaching on this, but there's some truth to say to you that we see that the speaking of tongues is an evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not the only evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that must be held in tension. So yes, I believe that people can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and perhaps not speak in tongues. But that also must be held in tension with it's God's desire and intention that we all speak in tongues. And wherever we are on that journey, that's between you and the Lord. But I know that when we eagerly desire, God pours out. And God wants to pour out. His desire is to pour out. His intention is to pour out. So don't be afraid of this idea of speaking in tongues. And if you want more teaching on it, I'll direct you to some resource. You know, online, we've got um, the School of Bible with Mark Manfrey. He's done a tremendous amount of teaching. And there's other preaches we've preached on this as well. But if you jump online and you go to media and hit School of the Bible, you can go and you can, you can see more teaching on this. But you know, for us, I really, in all this teaching here, Information isn't going to set you free. Information isn't going to bring revelation alone. We must, we must experience him. Experience brings revelation. You know, you can read the manual to a car for only so long before, if you, want, if you really want to understand that car, you actually just need to drive it. You need to fill it up and you need to drive it. We need to experience the Holy Spirit. And for me, as I was going through the notes and considering the, the power of the Holy Spirit and what the baptism of the Holy Spirit means, I, honestly, for me, I'm stuck on this, is that God pours out his spirit on hungry people. And he's looking for hungry hearts to pour out on. He meets us in this place of expectation, but if we're not expecting... Oftentimes, we don't see him move. You know, yesterday, I spent a lot of time just in the word, in prayer. I picked up a guitar. I don't play guitar. I attempt to play guitar. I just spent time worshiping the Lord in his presence until I couldn't play any chords anymore because my fingers were too sore. And then I started reading through some of the great revivalists and just seeing kind of what God did in the life of people like Smith Wigglesworth and John G. Lake and honestly, there's one thing that stood out that was so apparent across all of them. 
And it was that there was a hunger and a thirst for the power of God and for the Holy Spirit. There was a hunger and a thirst for him. I read a quote by Wigglesworth. He said that the secret of spiritual success is a hunger that persists. It's an awful condition to be satisfied with one's spiritual attainment. God was and is looking for hungry and thirsty people. You know, as I was reflecting on this and praying yesterday and just meditating on the word, the Holy Spirit reminded me of this. Because I'm thinking to me, and this is, this is sometimes how I ask myself questions. This is me. God, why, where is the hunger in me? Where is the hunger in me? Where is the hunger? And you know, I felt him drop this in my spirit. That we have inside us flesh and we have spirit. And inside every one of us, we have flesh and spirit. And the flesh is looking to be satisfied and desiring and wanting the things that our mortal bodies want, whatever that is. There's a desire in our flesh even to eat food. But at the same time, friends, there is a desire in us, a spiritual desire for his spirit. There is a hunger and a thirst for the Spirit of God inside us. How do I know it? Because God made us this way. He made us for intimate and personal and powerful relationship with Him. He's designed it in us. It's deep inside us. The scripture talks about a deep crying out to deep. Inside us, there is a deep desire for the Holy Spirit and a deep desire for God. You were made this way. And I was thinking about, man, well, why is it? And I honestly, our flesh is very loud. Our flesh is often so loud that we can't hear the Spirit. You know, when you're in a room and people are talking often, when there's lots of noise, the loudest noise in the room, the loudest person in the room probably isn't the one we should be listening to. It's the still small voice. It's the one that's humble. The Holy Spirit comes like a dove that's gentle. And for us, there is a waiting and a reverence for the Holy Spirit and a reverence for God. And honestly, for me, I just got so, I just encouraged that, hey, there is a hunger. There is a thirst. And it's there. And when we pay attention to it, it actually, it's like, oh man, I'm actually really hungry. Last week, I just had a picture of almost just spiritual dehydration for people. You know, dehydration creeps up on us. Hey, it creeps up on us. It kind of is a slow thing. And most of the time, you don't even realize that you're dehydrated. And by the time you're thirsty, we're already dehydrated. But when you start to drink, friends, when we start to drink, you realize that there is a satisfaction in the thirst of what God has for us. And this is the Holy Spirit for us. And he says, he says, come and drink. Come and experience. Come and experience. There's a, there's a few things, in, and I'm going to finish with some personal stuff, that as I'm looking back in my life and considering the thirst, I, 
I had a, hungry and a, a hunger and a thirst for me at a young age. At the age of nine, I was water baptized. And actually, at baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit came to me. And shortly after, I was speaking in tongues and the gifts of the Spirit were flowing in me. You know, I was very eager running around the neighborhood to try and get the kids saved. My mom reminded me that I was setting up the chairs and would try and preach the gospel to anyone that would come and listen. But there was a hunger in me. I knew the power of God. I've seen miracles. At a young age, I prayed for the sick and they were healed. I watched God move in power. I know what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit and see the Holy Spirit move. I lived in Nanaimo in a Spirit-filled church. I experienced the power of God. One of the most incredible stories for me at a young age that I was able to witness in the life of a young, uh, he wasn't a young man, he was an older man in the community. His name was Alec Corpin. You might know the name Corpin because his brother was the mayor of Nanaimo for quite a while. Well, Alec was an alcoholic. He was a hockey player, his brother. And he had fallen so many times and broken his elbow between the ice and the concrete from drinking and hockey that the the doctors couldn't do much more for his elbow. And his elbow was fused together. They fused his elbow. They said, we can't even do another surgery. We've done too many. And Alec was still in a state of drunkenness. And he was invited to a time where a, where a powerful healing evangelist, just somebody that moved in the gift of the Holy Spirit, was teaching through a group called the Full Gospel Businessmen's Meeting in Nanaimo. And he called him up and Alec went up for prayer. And God radically healed that man. He had his hand over his head. He was on the front page of the newspaper in Nanaimo, the news bulletin. Radically healed and set free in the natural, and not just from this, but from alcoholism. I've seen the power of God move and change lives. People were saved because of that testimony. You see, the power of God comes and it does something in us, and we need that life-changing power of the Holy Spirit. I need that. But it isn't just for me. We're a conduit. God wants to flow through us so that the power of God can reach others. This is what he wants to do. This is what he wants to do. You know, I, I want to invite the worship team up because for us, guys, information alone isn't enough. We must have revelation. God wants us to experience him. And it comes by invitation. And I know that for me, what I'm, what I'm encouraged about and excited with is over the past few months, there is a tangible hunger in you for the power of the Holy Spirit. There is a tangible hunger and thirst in you for the Holy Spirit. It's in me as well, but we see it. And just as the worship team comes, we want to make space for people to come up. And I'm going to hand to Mike in just a minute. But I want you to know this, that up front over the last few months, as people have come forward to pray and respond, I have felt the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes when the power of the Holy Spirit hits me, my eyes start leaking. I don't know why that is, but it's just how it is. Sometimes my hand shakes. Sometimes my legs, I can barely stand. Guys, my legs are shaking, and you might not see it, but it's hard to stand. But over the last few months, the Holy Spirit's come, and he's come quickly. He's come quickly. The moment people have come, the Holy Spirit has hit me hard, friends, and others on our team as we're praying. And God has come with words. He has come with scriptures. He's come with prophetic words. I've seen us pray for people and be healed in the last few months. 
God is here to move and he wants to pour out. And he is looking for a hungry heart. And a hungry heart isn't just something that happens in a moment. It's something that God stirs and he cultivates in us. And we need to stay hungry. I want to turn it over to the team, but I wanted to leave you just with that reference that, guys, God is here. The Holy Spirit is here. And the Holy Spirit wants to move in power. He wants to fill you. If you are dry, he wants to pour out afresh. If you've known the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you still have it. God just wants to come upon you and fill you more. If this is new, friends, he's a good God giving good gifts. And he wants to pour out.